Welcome to the Developer Spotlight on the Full Dive Gaming Podcast. In the Developer Spotlight, we sit down with VR industry professionals. This week, Jay and Lip are here. We're sitting down with Brandon Egolf, founder and CEO of Click Games. They're an indie game studio. They actually got started with virtual reality arcades. And we've also got David Burnham, lead game designer over at Continuum XR. Thank you guys both for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. While we're saying thank you, we got to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Asterian Products. I can finally unveil this thing that's sitting on my desk here that I've been hiding for weeks. This is their new Asterian Aura <laughs> V2 headset stand. It glows RGB, headset controller, everything fits on there. So use code FULLDIVE10 if you want to get one on Amazon, save an extra 10% off. I've been so curious what that thing was for so long. You've been teasing it. <laughs> <laughs> finally here. Yeah, finally now. But uh, going on, thank you both for coming on here. I'm, I'm super happy to have you. I know Click Games have done just, if I, I've played the four games you guys have published, and I've been playing Monkey yeah. Doo I was playing a couple hours today, actually, before the podcast. Uh, but I wanted to know, you know, there's Click Games, and then there's also Continuum XR. And I wanted to know, between the two, the two of you, what was your sort of overview of the company and sort of the journey that got you to the point you're at right now? Yeah, Click Games is a wild ride of a company. So really what we started as was one of the first 10 VR arcades to open in the United States. So Spectrum VR, to our understanding, was the seventh VR arcade to open. And we were the only one in Indiana when we opened in 2017. So if you can imagine, 2016, here was the HTC Vive breaking ground with consumers. And uh, not more than a year later, we had an arcade. Uh, and if anybody remembers that time period, almost nobody had a headset at home. It was only for enthusiasts because not many people even had giant gaming PCs at the time. So we were like a really great local hub for an entire state that had nothing like it to go try VR for the first time. So that was really the core that then over the next five, six years as we expanded to two locations, ended up building more and more uh, just like local, really fun entertainment complexes where everybody could get together. We realized, well, the future of arcades is either they're going to have exclusive experiments and exclusive games and stuff like that, or they're going to die off like arcades did in the 80s. Because if you're not the next Dave & Busters, you're kind of left behind to some extent. So that all manifested into me during COVID when the arcades had to shut down for those few months, thinking, well, what happens? What happens if we can't be Dave & Busters? What happens if we can't get, you know, millions of locations across the world? Well, we need to make the games that we are presenting to people in the arcade. And that was how Click Games ended up becoming what it is. Now, there's a ton of little side stories uh, that are very, very interesting to that. But uh, I'll leave it there and I'll pass it over to David to talk a little bit about Continuum. Sure. Thanks, Brandon. Um, so Continuum, that's a bit of a, a fun journey as well. So um Continuum is a, a mixed reality company and and we're growing very rapidly in, in a lot of different spaces. So when I say mixed reality, I mean, you know, we don't just deal with like, you know, virtual reality. We do a lot in augmented reality and, and blockchain technology and just like anything that's sort of reaching into the, you know, the future of what, what this technology can bring. So a lot of what we do stems from the AR side. We'll, we'll, we'll actually take on client work and, and use, use our, our skills developing in, in a platform called 8th Wall in order to create AR experiences for marketing purposes. We've worked with big clients like, you know, Maverick and Mountain Dew and Black Rifle Coffee and all these things, you know, and, and we sort of use that contracting side to then fund the development of, you know, our virtual reality products and our, our Web3 projects. You know, we've done NFT drops and things for clients and and uh, on the virtual reality side, which is where, where I live, we've been working on various contract work for um, 
for other VR games. Um, and that sort of led to them, you know, building out a team to be able to fulfill that client work. Got to a point where once we fulfilled our contracts, we really realized we wanted to have a little bit more creative freedom. And we had the talent, we had this, this in-house art team that then, uh, you know, supports all of those other divisions. So we said, why don't we just go in and make something of our own? And, uh, <laughs> monkey see monkey doodo is the first of, uh, many to come, but, um, we were fortunate enough to, to meet click games through a convention in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and, uh, just had a great, a great connection with them. Um, and decided that it was a good fit to partner up. Nice, nice. I like to hear that. I I got to check in, get in, and kind of check out Monkey See Monkey Doo Doo. But this episode will actually probably publish before it's still in closed beta right now for those people yep. listening who haven't heard of it yet or wondering what this is about. But it's advertised, kind of marketed as a return to monkey, but features uh poo flinging and banana eating. So tell me a little about this. Obviously, you hear the word monkey, and everybody kind of thinks Gorilla Tag. So what is this game like? Is it anything like Gorilla Tag? Are you going for that vibe. Tell me about the sure. Game. So yeah, I mean, I think it's natural to try and you know kind of make comparisons, but when it, when it comes down to its core, um, you know, Monkey Do is is really nothing like Gorilla Tag at all. Um, I guess some similarities is that you know it's very physical in its movement, but I mean, you know, not even the movement is the same. You know, it, it kind of came as a result of us trying to get together and decide, you know, we've played a bunch of VR games, like what mechanics do we think are like the most fun, you know, and everybody seems to really like climbing in VR. That's super fun. Everyone really likes, you know, good throwing mechanics and stuff. It feels just really immersive, right, to to be fully engaged. And, and Gorilla Tag does get you very engaged, and that's good. But, you know, we wanted to try and take it a step further and just really design a game that's around climbing and throwing. And so, you know, and crocodiles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's like, you know, the, the inner 12 year old in us or something, right, that, uh, you know, saw oh, monkeys climb and monkeys throw poo. So like, maybe we can get away with <laughs> something. And I know it's, you know, it sounds silly, but it turned out to be like extremely fun. So, uh, you know, Monkey Do is a game where you are racing against other other monkeys in order to collect bananas. And it's the first one to get 10 bananas wins. And the, the poo mechanic isn't just like a a gag or anything, right? It's not just funny. Oh, monkeys throw poo. It's, you know, I, I thought of this as like, if the win condition of our game is, is a race, well, like, I don't just want like people, you know, racing in the same room and like not really able to interact with each other. It's like, it's kind of like they'd have a single player experience just in a group of people. Like that's not very fun. Right. So the poop mechanic was introduced as a way for players to interact with each other. And so if I reach behind my butt and I throw poop at you and I hit you, you'll actually drop one of the bananas that you've collected. Now anyone can go and steal that banana from you and so it's a it's a really fun back and forth of people just like flinging you know flinging poo at each other and trying to be you know collect these bananas and the crocodile that you mentioned is uh is this fun thing that unlike gorilla tag and other games that use you know more physical motion we really want you to stay off of the ground right we want you to swing on vines and and fly through the air and feel like tarzan you know and so the croc is there to actually punish you if you're on the ground, because if you touch the water, he will immediately detect you and beeline for you. And if he gets you, he'll eat you and you'll lose all of your bananas. They'll all fly out and anyone can go and scavenge all of those bananas and then you'll respawn. You can collect them again. Right. But it, it really makes a fun, fast paced, competitive environment, which is, you know, all the things that we were hoping to achieve um, that I. I think Gorilla Tag is just, you know, doesn't quite offer that breadth compared to... It, it to almost felt like Pitfall with the crocodile. I was thinking like... 
pitfall, classic pitfall. Nice, yeah. Swinging the vines, you got the crocodile below you. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we were going for a really um, kind of old school, like Crash Bandicoot, you know, Spyro the Dragon kind of designs and stuff with like the just the the fun stuff that that early video games really really nailed with their simplicity. Yeah. Well, that that sounds all awesome for Brandon here. I know yeah. I've played a bunch of click games games. I think I've played all of them actually, and I've actually made videos <laughs> on several of them too. How many games sure. do you have and how many more do you got coming? Yeah, so Click Games, we've recently gone through a little bit of a change on how we publish our titles. So we have two different sectors of Click Games. We have Click Games, which is where we publish what we consider our top titles. And we have Indie Click, where we publish our subsidiary titles. So titles that are either a little bit smaller in scope or titles that fit really well into arcades. Because we still want to keep our roots as an arcade and make sure that we offer some of the best VR arcades uh, games possible. But those don't always have the widest scope possible, right? So the main four that we publish right now is obviously Monkey See Monkey Doodoo, which we're talking about today. We have Rogue Ascent VR, the world's first fully hand-tracked shooter. We have Dragon Fist VR Kung Fu, which is the, to my opinion, the best martial arts fighting game. Agreed. And finally, we have Coffin Rob Brewing Co., which is an undead wave shooter uh, bartending game. And so of these titles, then I'm, I'm guessing it's the Kung Fu game, but what's been the most successful? Yeah, it's definitely been Dragon Fist. As, as far as I'm concerned, Dragon Fist is the best experience you can have while fighting in VR. Um, not only because of the breadth of content, how much we have. There's 40 different characters, 10 plus different stages, tons of different difficulties, tons of different game modes. Uh, all kinds of like seasonal events, crazy stuff. Ben, the developer, never stops working. He's wild. But it's that on top of all the things that are to come for the title. We can't talk about everything that's coming, but everything that you could imagine that you would want in that game is coming. And so we have a lot left in the development cycle for Dragon Fist. We're very excited to tell you more about that in the future, but no exclusives today. One thing about the game that totally surprised me is I'm playing as this one character. I'm like, oh, you can do your special move. I go like this and like Wolverine claws come out of my yeah. hand. I'm like, this is amazing. This is, a I couldn't stop playing that game. I played the entire yeah. game start to finish in one day. I could not stop. <laughs> Dragon Fist. Yeah. Every single character has their own moves. They have their own special moves. They have their own weaknesses, abilities. It's wild. You'll never, I don't think you'll ever run out of content. Uh, if no. you start today, like for the average play session in VR, you'll be playing for weeks before you see everything. And then I'll say definitely second is, is Rogue Ascent. Rogue Ascent is one of the most innovative, if not tech jam-packed games that exists. There is no better hand-tracking game out there, in my opinion. I've played them all. We've tried them all. Uh, I think Rogue Ascent blows them all out of the water. Uh, and it's because it uses what's already intuitive to you from when you were a kid. You make a finger gun. You aim where you want to shoot, and it shoots for you. Aim your finger in the air to reload, put a shield up, move forward, everything. It's intuitive. Uh, we take this to conventions all the time, and I've never seen people who have never played VR pick up a game faster in my life, and I owned an arcade in 2017. So if that <laughs> tells you anything, um, people pick up Rogasend faster than they picked up pressing a button in Richie's plank. Wow. So if that tells you anything, uh, I love Rogue Ascent. Uh, and then Monkey See Monkey Doodoo is our first foyer into a free-to-play game. If you don't already know, Monkey See Monkey Doodoo is free. We don't charge for it. Uh, we completely fund the game from non-intrusive, in-app purchases that are only cosmetic so these just help you to either get more cosmetics or get exclusive cosmetics and that's pretty much everything that you can purchase and that's just to help us keep development of the game up while offering a massive multiplayer experience with everybody being able to enter no barrier to entry at all 
it's so wild to be a part of a game that's one so incredibly action-packed and fast-paced but also so widely available to an audience so as a publishing studio we're really excited to see what we can do uh when we don't have a price tag attached to getting people into the game i, I like that there was a like daily rewards kind of thing so you could still earn yeah. benefits and cosmetics without spending even a cent if you just spent the time to get them. yeah that's right we really wanted to encourage players to actually you know be in the game and even you know even the paid players who you know are gonna are gonna try and sort of skip that line and accelerate i mean we we deliberately designed it so that every aspect of monetization that's going to be in the game still incentivizes you to have to play the game and not just yes. not just exist in the ecosystem, right? So for instance, in a lot of mobile games, you'll see like, oh, gems are something that I can just buy, you know, and and now I have this, this item. Well, you know, one of the ideas that we have, for example, is um, the currency in our game is, is the bananas, the ones that you go and actually collect in the gameplay. So what you get during that round of, of gameplay ends up adding to your total stash and you use that stash to go to your big monkey leader. His name is Big Bongo. And uh, he's kind of the the shop owner and he'll exchange these cosmetics for bananas. So you can buy a post-game banana multiplier, for instance, right? So all of the bananas, let's say I collect, you know, six bananas in a round, then uh, if I have one of these, these multipliers, then I'll walk out with 12 bananas instead. It doesn't affect my status of like whether I, I'm collecting them in the game faster. So it doesn't help you win. It just rewards you um, after the fact to help you get cosmetics sooner. Yep. I like that. I It's interesting because you said it seems like Dragon Fist is kind of the game you're most known for or you're most successful at the moment. But Monkey yeah. C isn't even out yet. It's going to be free. And you've already got over 4,000 people in the Discord for it while it's only a closed beta. So what are you anticipating at launch? Do you think this is going to skyrocket to the top? I would say what what it really relies on is the influencer coverage we get from this moment on. Now, our final push for influencers is going to be absolutely crazy, uh, and I look forward to some of the people we already have lined up. But you know, every game like this relies on uh, two things. It relies on one, having an incredible core gameplay loop and mechanic that you can come back to reliably, and it requires people to want to talk about it. And I think everything we have set up here is is built for those two things. I think we have an incredible core gameplay loop, and we're also going to be releasing a roadmap here soon, probably just before launch, showing what's coming next um, as the community helps us, you know, to push the game. And also, every single thing about the game is meant to be easy to talk about and to explain to somebody to get them on board to play with you. I think if you if you give the core conceit of the game to somebody, I think pretty instantly it's like, oh yeah, I'll hop in with you. That sounds pretty fun. It's a free game where we run around through poop at each other, collect bananas. That just sounds fun. Like we might as well try it. And we made that barrier to entry, like I said, so low to just, I just want to try it. Cause we know if you try it, you're going to love it. And that's yes. all we need. That's yeah. Sliding down the, the sliding down the vine is like a great way to start. Cause you're instantly in, into the experience. Yeah. Yeah. The, the game, it, it like, like we were just talking about with materials being your, the same thing that you're collecting in the game, being the thing that gives you the cosmetics in the game is your core gameplay loop. Cause if you want a, better cosmetic if you want to look cooler and you want to brag you need to play more of the game if you want to play more of the game you have to get better at the game and as you get better at the game you realize all of the hidden tougher mechanics that are within there so obviously you can climb up trees you can swing on vines and stuff but as soon as you start figuring out your momentum mechanics how you can fling yourself from tree to tree from vine to vine from area to area all of a sudden the game goes from a fun romp to a competitive game where you are playing 
to be the best that there is. Uh, and we already have people in the Discord that, as beta testers, are absolutely crazy at this game. <laughs> They're so good, and it's because yeah, it just <laughs> lends you to becoming incredibly competitive once you're in it. Like, I'm really proud of the fact that, like, for the first, before we partnered with Click, you know, and we had just a very small Discord that we were just kind of doing ourselves, you know, had, you know, I don't know, like one or 200 people in it or something like that. And for like the longest time, like me as like the, you know, the head of, of the game, I was like the best player because like all the devs, you know, there's only two devs, by the way, which I think is like an incredible thing. And we've been, built the whole game in like seven months, which is like insanely fast so um we we've been moving fast but i was uh i was the best one for you know the longest time and i was like always concerned about that you know like it doesn't feel good to be like the best one at your game because then you think that you're like you know (laughs) just making a game for me but that's not what we wanted to do right and so i was just like i was super paranoid i was like oh man is our game gonna just suck is everyone else gonna hate it you know and then once click came on board and they really started building a community with us yeah dude the seeing these kids and I mean, it's it's wild. They'll come over and they'll they'll come from Gorilla Tag and they'll expect it to be the same thing. And they'll realize, wait, this is different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, instead of hitting the ground, I have to grab everything. Right? It's you know, everything is you know, grab the ground or grab the vine and throw myself. You have like you know, different kinds of control, and they pick it up so fast. And now I, you know, I don't know if we, if we had <laughs> skill tiers, I don't even know where I'd fall on the list because there's this, there's some kids that are just wild. Yeah. Like out of this yeah. world moving so fast and so efficiently, so precise. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's like it's so that's, fun to see. That's what I've loved about the game too, is that you have these uh thirteen to sixteen year olds who have come from Gorilla Tag and are playing the game and are absolutely crushing it. But then you also have this this sub audience of twenty to thirty year olds that are joining with their friends in private lobbies just to dick around just to play on their own. They don't care about the public lobbies. They don't care about that. They can play a totally custom game with just their friends. And it's so cool that we've got an experience that lets you do both. Because what I'm always afraid of is walking into a free-to-play game and hearing kids screaming or being stuck with, you know, just all kinds of stuff. We've avoided a lot of those issues. And we have in our roadmap a lot more plans to keep avoiding that for anybody that doesn't want that experience. We really want it to span the age gap of VR players. And I think we're, we're really, really close to nailing that right now. Nice. It's not easy to do. <laughs> no, definitely not. Well, the, the private lobby definitely helped me out. I know the first time I came in, uh, there was there was one one kid that was uh, continuously slinging doo doo at me, and I was like, okay, well, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go and figure out how to move on my own before I just sit here at the spawn location get bombarded with. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely but, uh, some comfort features that we're gonna you know that we're we're adding yeah. before launch. Um, you're safe in the shop and you're safe on the wardrobes like the you know so people yeah. if, you're, if you're in those locations people can't harass you um we're probably gonna <laughs> add features to you know make it so that that sort of bubble exists it's just like Safety a toggleable bubble. thing in your menu so that yeah but yeah any feedback that you guys have you know we'd also love to hear oh, of course so so i noticed here that we have so many titles that come to app lab that the question always so many times on this podcast, we're always asking any word from the Oculus store that we're going to get on there, too. Or is that even a consideration? I don't know if you guys for click games have gotten any of the games yet on the official Oculus store. But what are you guys what are you guys planning with that? Yeah, I think the reason that you don't hear about it is because uh, if if we were to say have something like that, we wouldn't be allowed to talk about it. And so that'll be the end of my sentence. <laughs> that doesn't give us any clues at all. That's. <laughs> 
it's interesting though because man we had so many developers on here that just have no clue how to they're trying everything they can talking everybody they can it's it's such a hard leap to make yeah well before before we really got started our number one concern and number one promise was we're going to get you onto the official store and you know back a year and a half ago when we really started we did not know if that was true we you know we were just like we're gonna we're gonna try our best and uh we we've been really fortunate with some of the context that we've had that we've known for a while but as far as anything concrete there's a reason that they 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 don't say anything so that, gotcha. that's what we got for you yeah that's that's good to know and i get that you have to be careful what you say here but i'm a little curious you, you've talked about the arcades and yeah. i'm wondering some things about them so like VR arcades have been one of those things where sometimes you go to like a zero latency and they make their own experiences and you free roam in the space. Yeah. And it's it's very different than what you can do at home. But for you having opened one then, gone through all of lockdown and everything, and now we're seeing yeah. it come back, are things getting better for arcades? Do you think there's a good future in VR arcades? Where are we at? Well, to our understanding, uh, we have the largest directory of VR arcades on the planet. Uh, Click Games does. We've worked with one of the people on our team was one of the original founders of Springboard, which is the arcade licensing platform that pretty much every arcade uses that doesn't use Synthesis, the alternative. And we went through and we made a list of of pretty much every single arcade that's ever existed from from the dawn of the 90s to today. And uh, I believe and somebody out there who is also an expert in the industry may be able to correct me. I think half of all arcades closed due to COVID. And it was an absolute Armageddon, pretty much, uh, because there is nothing worse in a global health pandemic than putting somebody else's face on your face. I cannot imagine a worse <laughs> industry to be in. Yeah. So we, as a company, what we did was, first of all, we are in the state of Indiana. If you know anything about Indiana, we're one of the most backwards ass states. So we were able to open up the arcade way sooner than we should have been allowed to open the arcade. And that's what I'll say about that, right? But we were able to open it up a bit sooner. So the 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 pain which was inflicted on us was much worse than if you were somewhere like New York or California with a lot more people and a lot more restrictions. Now, we took additional time. We closed our arcade before the government told us to because they took too long and we didn't feel safe running it anymore. And we also uh, kept it closed longer than we were. We were able to open it sooner and we just didn't feel comfortable until we had way more things in place to keep people safe. So running the arcade during that time was tumultuous. And what we decided to do was we had two locations. We had one location that was able to be expanded and one location that was kind of stuck where it was as a smaller store with about six or seven headsets in it. So we closed the smaller store and consolidated those assets to our larger store to make pretty much a megaplex, to make a much larger one with upwards of like 15 to 20 headsets and a dedicated party area and multiple double rooms, stuff like that. So we pulled out the other side of COVID really well uh, nice. because we were just fortunate to be the right place at the right time. Uh, and, and we had a much stronger community than I think a lot of other arcades did because we'd been there for so long compared to these new guys. You know, if you were an arcade in a mall, you pretty much had no community. But being in a in a town of 250,000 people with two stores and good marketing, everybody knew about us and everybody stuck with us even through the pandemic. So what it did for the entire sector, though, is is quite literally what pretty much happened in the 80s and 90s is that now damn near every kid for Christmas is getting a headset. And 
what we always used to say is like, you know, well, maybe one kid has a has an index and a, and a powerful computer. But do you think his brother does? Do you think his sister does? No. So like our arcade was always a, well, here's where you can play multiplayer. You might have one headset, but do you have four? You know, can you play four people Arizona Sunshine? No. But in 2023, more and more of the answer is becoming yes. There are more headsets in each house. And so arcades are destined to meet one of two fates, I think. Either one, they have exclusive experience like like hero zone and and stuff like that where you you know have these exclusive one-on-one experiences that you can't get at home uh and escape rooms like the ubisoft assassin's creed escape room experiences or the arcades start to either die off or they find a new niche to kind of go into you have to start becoming exclusive or you have to find something that nobody's ever done and i took the route of doing something that nobody's ever done which is just make my own publishing studio so I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. The the VR arcade industry, I can't imagine it expanding much more. What'll really expand is is entertainment plexes, places that add VR as an addition to a larger expansion of attractions. Dedicated VR arcades, I don't quite seeing see making it much farther. I would love to be wrong because the amount of people that we've met in the community who are absolutely uh, amazing, amazing people, I, I don't want to see that industry go. But uh we decided to go this way because we kind of saw what was coming. So that that's the story of COVID in arcades. I, I hope it I hope it's not as dire as it kind of seems to be, but you never know until it happens. So maybe in 20 years, we'll we'll look back on this and laugh. So I'm curious because uh, I know that we just talked about the negativity of the whole pandemic affecting your arcades. When yeah. Meta pulled Beat Saber from non-Oculus arcades, was that a huge hit for you guys? Or did you find that you weren't really getting a lot of people playing the game anyways? If you would have told me, 2017 that one day i wouldn't have beat saber i I wouldn't have opened the arcade like uh, beat saber came out in 2018 like may of 2018 or or something around there uh we didn't even know it was going to be a big hit but i'm saying if you would have ever told me that we wouldn't have it i would have thought it'd kill the arcade because every single day 50 50 between arizona sunshine and beat saber and sometimes beat saber would pull ahead sometimes Arizona sunshine but those were mostly everything that was played the fact that they took it out of arcades was such a gut punch that we weren't sure how it was going to affect us, but it really didn't. As surprising as it is, Beat Saber being gone, even though it made up like 50% of our playtime, people were just walking in like, oh, you don't have it? That's fine. I'll play this instead. And very quickly after it was pulled from arcades, you had like two or three titles that just instantly popped up that took the place of it in one way or another. And so it was it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but man when that day hit it really hit that sucked we were really confused because it seems like meta took that opportunity and went and made arcade machine versions of beat saber to go inside of places like dave and busters and to be sold like a turnkey solution but they could have made a lot more money just keeping it in existing arcades because no arcade operator is going to buy a beat saber machine to sit in the corner so i don't i don't quite understand their logic there because also as you know when you tell somebody not to do something, it opens up a black market. So there were plenty of arcades that were running Beat Saber illegally through Steam uh, without any licensing because they were so mad. We have never done that. We've never ran a game that we couldn't get licensing for. So it always pissed me off when I saw an arcade, you know, a state away that was running it. I was like, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, it sucks to stick to your morals. But yeah, 
that that is painful. I remember we talked about that on the podcast back when that happened, <sighs> I want to say, and we were all so shocked. It was like, what are they thinking? Pulling this from everybody? And like, it was like, oh, well, if you still yeah. have rifts by some random reason, if any arcade ever had a rift, then they could no, use arcade it. Didn't. And it was like, that was just a, a long list of bad decisions made by them. So yeah. no well, I think it there. was early on. It was really early when Meta, when Meta's whole thing was like trying to keep exclusive experiences. That was a, that was a really big key motive when they first purchased oculus um and then that's gone to the wayside today meta with their content strategy is much more open-ended they're happy with having you know games on multiple platforms they're not too worried about exclusivity i think they realize now that the more people that can play the games the more headsets they'll sell the more word of mouth they'll be so it's a no-brainer like why lock it down when nobody even has a headset yet so hopefully they end up taking a much more like valve approach um to their platforms they just had to own the whole bottom of the market first. And now it's yeah. good for them for people to go look for headset because they have the cheapest one. Yeah, I was surprised the Tales from the Galaxy's Edge was coming to PlayStation VR because I was so sure this is like, oh, this is one of their selling points. They got the Star Wars games and they let Vader Immortal come and then they're doing the other Star Wars. And it's like they really they want to be there first with some of these, but they're letting everybody have these things sort of expand that entire market. If I should say right. that. <laughs> You, you're obviously you've got your fingers in a lot of corners of the VR market. But the big reason yeah. you came here today was because Monkey See Monkey Doo is launching at the end of the month, and you're really yep. hoping to get out there to people. So I wanted to say when I got into it, because if you're out there and you're listening and you're like poo flinging and climbing, like it, it might not sound like the most appealing or mature game. But like the first sure. time I grabbed the poo and I pulled it out and it had a smiley face, it was like a poop emoji more than like actual <laughs> poop. I was like, okay, that's hilarious, and I and I enjoyed that yeah. more because I was thinking like, is this going to be some like smeary gross it's not a crude experience by any means it actually kind of reminded me of this this experience called monkey king on psvr years ago just really cute art style really fun what else about monkey c have we not covered that you'd want people to know if they're on the fence about going and downloading it well i think one of the um i think one of the the highlights is it's such a it's such a social game um and that's that's one of the things that I think we we really wanted to push is is make it something where people can hop in and easily be able to communicate with each other and you know show off you know cool stuff and and so like our our main you know hub area where you start the game is like this you know large multiplayer place you know sort of just a social hub where where you can you know buy these new cosmetics using either bananas or, you know, purchase them. You can also show off like by by upgrading your cosmetics in cool ways and just like really, you know, mm-hmm. really flex on you, you know, on your friends. Like it's it's really fun to sit there and be like, dude, my hat is cooler than yours. Or like, dude, where'd you get that? Like that's nuts, you know, and then there's just like there's so much fun when you can just have that jovial, lighthearted um, atmosphere where there's no stakes. Yeah. And then if you really want to hop in and have, you know, an organized competitive experience, because, you know, maybe some people in VR, they, they do just like VR chat where you could just kind of hang out. Right. And so we offered that. Right. But then if you want, you know, like a really competitive experience, you can just hop in and play this fast paced, you know, high speed competitive game. And it's uh, it's great. I mean, in the future, we're going to be. Uh, adding updates that will offer things like, you know, different kind of game modes, obviously additional maps, right. uh, potentially, you know, team play, things like that. Right. But um, for, for launch, we wanted to just create this really simple experience that, you know, was, was highly replayable and very inviting for, for players and friends 
everybody can just have a good time. Yeah, I think what I would bring up is that this game is holistically reliant on the community this game as a free-to-play title requires that everybody hops on gives it a shot gives it a fair chance and if you enjoy your time that you either play and tell your friends about it or you decided to support us through cosmetics uh and that's that's really all we ask is that people play the game they talk about it if you think it's a ton of fun get your friends in there it's free why not um what we plan to do is is kind of put out our roadmap plan and we're not sure how this is going to turn out quite yet but it'll basically be how the community interacts with the roadmap. So we'll have goals and things we want to do for the game, and then we'll put requirements as to how the community can hit those goals in order to tell us, hey, there's enough interest in this. We should go for it. Um, We don't just want to have months of development planned and have the community have no say in it. So we'd rather have them kind of help us choose what comes next. And a lot of those things are things like 2v2v2 or 3v3 Mm. game modes potentially or the ability to create your own maps create your own games create your own experiences make it like its own little platform but these are all things that are heavily dependent on how people react to the game how they tell us they enjoy the experience how people decide to spend their time in the game we don't want to develop features that aren't going to get used and we don't want to build things that our community doesn't want so we're going to let as many people as possible put their put their vote into the ring and then uh, we'll we'll decide from there what comes next but we're ready. We're ready to keep building the game. We have a ton of ideas. We just want to see where the community takes us. So one thing I've noticed you guys haven't mentioned yet is when you're in the the hub map there, these little circle like uh, targets come up and you mm-hmm. can throw the doo-doo at them. Is there any points for that at all? Or is that just sort of a fun distraction when you're hanging out with your friends? So those are those are primarily just meant for, you know, target practice. Like I said, the, the game at its core is like designed to be like a really competitive thing and the poop throwing is something that is uh, we're we're pretty proud of how it feels. You know, it's something that we've worked really hard on. Throwing in VR is something that you guys probably know. It's if it's done right, it's you know it's amazing, and if it's done poorly, it's the worst. So we created a system, and we wanted just an opportunity for people to be able to to practice and and have kind of like a playground jungle gym like experience in that in that main area. Um, and uh-huh. so those targets are simply there to. Um, to just allow you to to practice that without, you know, harassing other players who are trying to, you know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. And I also, I need to ask, you said, I saw this in the cosmetic menu thing. So I bought this cool welding mask thing for 120 bananas. And you're saying I can upgrade that. What is that? What happens when I upgrade that? Does it become even cooler or does it, I, I thought maybe since there's no abilities in the game that could make me stronger, I'm just like, well, what does upgrading these things do? Yeah, so I'm glad you like the welding mask. I uh, I made that <laughs> myself. Uh, it's super cool. <laughs> yeah, it's been so fun working on all the cosmetics. We wanted to make all of the cosmetics like no matter, you know, there's like different rarities and um, we wanted to make them like all cool, right? The welding mask is just like, that's a common, right? Like that's that's like the lowest tier. And I'm glad to, that, that you think it's cool because that was one of our goals is, you know, none of these are going to feel like they're just filler or, you know, just in there for, for the sake of volume, right? It's, you know, we wanted them all to feel unique and special. So uh, upgrading is a system that we created where basically in your shop, you've got uh, every day, six different cosmetics will appear in your shop. And you can obviously, you know, spend money if you want to re-roll the, the shop and get six new items or something. Or it just encourages you, if you come back every day, there's always new uh, cosmetics available. And there's 75 that we've made upon launch. And then each one 
is going to be able to be upgraded three times. So the first upgrade comes as a result. Well, so they all come as a result of buying duplicates. So when you buy it for the first time, you get this default, uh, you know, just the welding mask that you have, right? And then if you buy a second one, it shows up in your shop again. You're like, I really like the welding mask. I want to see how I can make this cooler. So I'll buy a copy of it. And then I can go in my wardrobe and I can upgrade it by spending bananas. And I think the uh, the welding mask, for example, uh, its upgrade goes from like, it's like this, you know, orange kind of Among Us style thing to uh this like nuclear green radioactive uh you know it's got you know this radioactive symbol and stuff on it right and then um and then if you further buy additional upgrades you can unlock a uh, a gold variant so all of the cosmetics look like they've sort of been dipped in gold and they they uh they shine they glow and it's like super like super intense and then with even more you can unlock ascended which is like Holy cow. It's like divine, like, you know, just like this angelic version of, of everything. And, and they're, so, I mean, they're so fun, right? When you, you can do that mm-hmm. for every cosmetic. So I can take my, uh, you know, my, my poop and maybe I've bought a poop skin <laughs> that is really a, uh, you know, I, I've got like a dinosaur egg or a cupcake or a marshmallow or whatever, right? Uh, we even have a shuriken, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, so I can get my my alt color dinosaur egg. I can get a gold dinosaur egg. I can get a, a divine ascended dinosaur egg. And and they're all just they're so fun when you're when you're throwing there, throwing throwing an ascended marshmallow, <laughs> you know, or yeah, or whatever. It's it's uh it just it feels so cool. <clears throat> feel really powerful, even though there isn't actually any impact on the game. The emotional response that that it gives to players of just like feeling powerful and feeling yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, the, the the whole cosmetic system is obviously where we make our money, you know, as a, as a game. So to to expound on it, the reason it exists the way that it does is because number one, we want every single cosmetic to feel cool. So if you got a welding mask, you can now make that welding mask super super cool if you want, right? You can make a common cosmetic super cool if you keep <laughs> seeing them. And the reason that's important is because you only see six things a day in your shop and you can buy rerolls if you want to see more. But if you keep seeing the same thing in the shop, we were like, well, that's going to become really frustrating if you already own one and you can't do anything with it. So you're just like, well, shit, you're like I'll go to the next day. Um, but now there's a purpose to buying another one because you just make your existing cosmetics cool. We never want players to feel like we are, are kind of nickel and diming them for cosmetics even if that's where we make our money. And a lot of mobile games love doing that. We don't want to. We never want it to feel like that. We want you to take your existing cosmetics and make them cooler. We want you to be able to find new things in the shop all the time. It's just, it's about respecting the player. That's such a big point of it. We don't want it to feel like, oh, I have to spend $100 to get one hat. Like, not about to do that to this game. Like, there's no point to do that. People, if they support the game, want to feel like their money is going towards cool things every time they spend money. Not the chance of a cool thing of a percentage of a chance of a yeah no not gonna do that Mm -hmm. and that's why we developed um you had mentioned uh earlier the uh daily reward system yeah Um, yeah Yeah. so we we feel like we want to thank and encourage and reward our players who do support us not even financially but just by supporting us by by existing in the game because even even players who don't spend a penny on the game are still adding value to the ecosystem because what good is a multiplayer game if you hop in and nobody's playing, right? And so we wanted to create a system that would generously reward people 
with ways to get free cosmetics or ways to get cosmetics, you know, uh, ways to get bananas faster or things like that. And so by, by simply not just logging in every day and just like collecting rewards, right? Logging in and playing, right? We have these daily goals or objectives that um, if you complete all three of your daily objectives that day, then you'll work towards um, earning these rewards on a weekly basis. And at the end of the week, you'll actually be awarded a free epic voucher. And so, you know, our, we've got your know, common, rare, epic, and legendary uh, cosmetics in our game. And, and a voucher is basically like an IOU, like a free ticket, like exchange this for, yeah. for a, a cosmetic without having to pay bananas for it. And so throughout the week, you can earn um, you can earn banana multipliers, you can earn vouchers, you can earn all these things just by logging in, playing your your games and, and fulfilling your your uh, daily objectives. So it really creates yeah. a healthy ecosystem for free to play players to be able to accelerate and and get cosmetics and get duplicates and be able to upgrade and have the coolest versions of the cosmetics they want. Some something I will add to this too to answer your question earlier about what's something you wish people knew about the game it would be that these rounds are like two minutes they're like two or three minute rounds this game goes fast this is not like a 40 minute experience where you're stuck in one match with the same people if you want to hop quickly you can and that's why when we talk about these daily challenges this is not like an hour long ordeal these matches if you only want to play two or three it's as easy as putting your headset on logging in you'll be done 10 15 minutes maybe uh and that's another big part of an online game is uh like i love zenith i think zenith's a great game but god every time i open zenith i have to like buckle down because i know i i have to be in here for a long time to go anywhere yeah uh, and, and we really wanted monkey Dude to be like the ultimate pickup put down no barrier to entry that's what i keep saying but it really is true just easy to get in play for a bit get out I like it. So it's it's funny you mentioned Zenith because I do have one thing that I just thought about when I played Zenith on the Quest Two. It you know it's hugely hugely downgraded compared to the PC VR. But I mm-hmm. played Monkey Doodoo on both Steam and Oculus, and I like on Oculus Quest Two and on the Steam version, and I couldn't notice a single difference between the two of them. Nice. Was that intentional? Yeah, so we've been primarily developing Monkey Do for the Quest 2 platform. So all of our art, we've been trying to optimize to make it as as beautiful and performant uh, as it can for the Quest. Uh, the Steam version is definitely higher resolution. Things aren't quite as pixelated. And, you know, you, you get like foveation in the headset that helps in, increase frame rate on the Quest that you just don't need for, for the PC. There are some things that we do plan on doing to em- embellish and enhance the uh, Steam version visually that we just simply can't do on the Quest. Any kind of transparency, for instance, just doesn't, you know, doesn't compute on the Quest. It, it just, it increases processing power so fast, kills battery, kills frame rate. But there's things that we would love to do, like, you know, God rays coming through the the trees, for instance, is something that we could do on Steam that we can't do on Quest. And those kind of just beautiful features or things that that we'll definitely look towards doing a, a beauty pass in the future for our steam users um and hey maybe when the uh you know quest 3 comes out we won't have to worry about those limitations but yeah we we want the steam users to uh a lot of times steam users kind of lose 
a lot in in these transfers um, because Quest makes up 80 to 90% of that market share. So a lot of times the Steam users just get nothing. Um, we don't want our Steam users to have to pay, uh, let's say, an extra $20 to play or something either. So we want to make sure that everybody on Steam gets a fair draw at it, uh, that they get the best version of the game. And also to keep in mind, guess what arcades run? They don't run Quests. They mm-hmm. run the Steam version. So we want them to look really, really good in the arcades. Is this going to be in the arcades? Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Day one? <laughs> uh, maybe. I'm not sure, actually. That's up, to, to, that's up to you, Brandon. <laughs> I know. It is up to me. We have to we have to meet with our teams and make sure that's still um, still kind of in the cards. Well, what we have to make sure of is there have to be arcade-specific modes. And, and that's really the thing, because you can't have shared accounts in arcades. You can't have people... You, you, you Obviously, there's a million drawbacks to running this in an arcade. So, we, so all of our games, even Dragon Fist, is available in arcades, and it has an arcade-specific mode that runs on default with Steam launch arguments. So Monkey Doo may have something like that just to make sure that those users get the best experience and aren't locked on a weird account with weird unlocked things and non-unlocked things. So, But yeah, it's definitely going to be in the arcades, every single arcade uh, in the world. So we're excited for that. Awesome. Something that I do want to highlight that we haven't touched on yet is the fact that it is uh, fully cross-platform. So Steam mm-hmm. players right. can't play with Oculus players and yeah. um, arcade players, you know. So um, that's something that's going to be huge for just that that barrier to entry that Brendan was talking about. PSVR 2? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, well, we're talking about doing ports to to other other platforms, you know, in the future post-launch. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going to be prepared, you know, by the end of this month. But um, yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be amazing to, to do, you know, Pico, to do uh, PSVR 2. It'd be amazing to do all those things. It's just... uh... As a publisher, my answer is uh, we're not allowed to talk about this. (laughs) <laughs> you know this is another one of those uh meta conversations you know you, you can't you know if it was happening we couldn't say anything anyway gotcha gotcha so just well. cut out everything that i just said <laughs> no it's fine that's all fine <laughs> i've, I've got to say it sounds like you've made a community first you've listened to them yeah. you've looked to them for a future and i feel like games that do that always end up with not only better ratings better followings but they're the ones that sometimes actually make that leap to the official store that everybody's trying to do so I really appreciate yeah. all that for everybody listening. There's going to be, of course, descript- in the description, the show notes, there's going to be links to this, but it isn't quite going to be out yet when this episode launches. So watch for it. But it's been an absolute pleasure to hear from both of you. I want to say thank you for your dedication to VR, to the community and to everything. It's been really cool talking about all this. Yeah, thank you. It's been a blast to be on the show. We What we really care about for Monkey Do at the end of the day is making sure that as many people as possible can pick up the game and enjoy it, whether they spend money, whether they don't spend money, whether they play on standalone, whether they play on PC, whether they're in an arcade, whether they're at home. Monkey Do is meant to be as accessible as humanly possible. And so we, we just want it to be the no-brainer game to try. If you have a minute to spare, go download it go download it give it a shot if you love it you love it if you don't mind it i'm sure you know somebody who does you invite them to go play and uh that that's really our goal here is just to make the the most accessible game so thank you for giving us an opportunity to chat about it here i think you've let us play it <laughs> yeah i really appreciate <laughs> yeah, the time yeah it's been awesome chatting with you guys and getting to know you a little bit and and uh being able to talk about things that we love you know gaming in general i think is just like you know so important as a as an outlet and expression of you know creativity and and uh just as a way to socialize and uh it's it's great that we have the vr platform to be able to do that in a more immersive environment and i think it's awesome that you guys are uh helping to bring that to light thank you thank you well gaming is the reason we're all here and it's the reason you're out there listening right now so remember if you are listening if you want to see some 
clips of monkey do up on the screen you want to see what it's like check us out on youtube but vice versa we're always here for you if you need to take us on the go whenever you're running out or if you just need something to listen to while you're in throwing poop around in this game you know put spotify in one ear listen to the game in the other you can do it now but we want to say thank you again for coming out and remember if you've been thinking about vr maybe it's time to dive one in we'll be right back.